The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hi, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 153 of the podcast. Maybe we're trying out a new platform this week. Today is Saturday, August the 10th, at least for the next uh, 12 or 13 minutes anyway. So we're doing this thing uh, right after the fight night ended for once because uh, it was an ESPN Plus card ended a little bit early, so we decided... Uh, you know, let's get a jump on things. Let's get a head start. And by we, I, of course, mean myself and my trusty co-host all the way from Pitch Black, New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Saturday evening, my friend? Well, I'm feeling phenomenal because it's been raining this week really hard. So now it's uh, it's nice and warm out. It's not obscenely hot. There's a nice balance. So I got this like half hoodie with uh, low sleeves because my chest is cold, but my arms aren't. <laughs> it's an interesting problem to have. Um, yeah, it's a it's a different vibe doing this show at night. I feel like um, I feel like I have to be a little bit more quiet, a little bit more somber, if you will. I'm also half asleep from watching this uh, <laughs> Fight Night 156 card from Uruguay. Um, it, and the, the new format is weird too. Usually I'm just looking at your face and I don't see so much of me. And now for, for the people who watch the podcast on YouTube, which is not very many people, you know, most of the people who consume this show are, uh, you know, of, of the audio variety. Now they're going to be able to see how much alcohol I actually drink throughout a broadcast because usually when you talk on the google hangouts the camera just switches to you and i can you know down a beer in the meantime while you're going on a rant about something <laughs> but now the camera's on both of us so now you know we we can't do things the way we used to jeff you can't just stand up in your chair and, and like adjust your wedgies anymore or yeah dude that, <laughs> you would start talking that's when i would do that stuff <laughs> i mean it's not like you could see me doing it right hey maybe it'll get us more views maybe that's how Maybe that's how we reel in the YouTube crowd that that we've been missing <laughs> for so long. Um, I I think I think we're like a commuter show though because we always come out on Monday. Like a, a lot of people tell me they listen to the show like on their way to work and stuff Monday morning. So that's kind of cool. But in any case, for those of you on YouTube who have seen me uh, with my half a beer that I have left here, this beautiful caramel colored beer, I was talking to Jeff uh, earlier before the fight started. It, it, it came early this year, folks. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about pumpkin beer season. I'm drinking a Gourds Gone Wild by a Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It's a pumpkin ale. And of course, pumpkin beers don't actually taste like pumpkin. They taste like the spices that you put in a pumpkin pie. Uh, and that's why they're delicious because they're a little bit sweet. Not too sweet. Uh, I don't like the really overly sweet ones. Like some places will serve them with cinnamon and sugar and shit on the on the rim. I'm not into all that. I like a, a mild flavor, but I like red ales. And, and pumpkin beers are, are kind of similar to red ales. They have that like 
little bit of caramel sweetness to them. They're kind of heavy, so they're like a nice slow sipping drink for the fall. And um, you know, usually they come out like end of August, early September. I feel like it's earlier and earlier each year. My theory is that they're looking to push the pumpkin beers earlier this year because there's a big um hard seltzer craze going on right now like the mm. the white claws and and all this stuff which yeah i've noticed i haven't given those a try yet jeff have you um no bill i i prefer my hard liquors with no bubbles you know if you want drop a piece of ice in there i like it on the rocks <laughs> maybe a splash of water but uh, i'm not crazy about the carbonation i'm not either but i i feel like you know, as an alcohol-based podcast, we have an obligation to the people to at least, you know, review these things. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we'll we'll pick up some and just do a live tasting, just because it's such a craze right now. And and we can shit on it, or who knows? Maybe we're we're closet hard water um, drinkers. We have a lot of hard water here in Florida. That's why I have a water softener in my garage. But um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a different kind of hard water. Uh, it's the kind that, that that makes your skin all gross when you shower if you don't have a water softener. In any case, pumpkin beers. Uh, Wait, Bill, what know, kind of water have I been showering in when I go visit you? Well, I told you I have a water softener, Jeff. Oh, okay. So basically uh, the water comes in and it's got like all kinds of minerals and stuff in it. And it runs through this big machine in my garage i'll show it to you next time you're here and it basically pushes it through like all this salt that uh that takes all the minerals out of the water so it's it takes the hardness out of it and it softens the water the hardness being like the the minerals and like uh i don't know limestone whatever the fuck is in water um it takes all that stuff out of it that's why like tap water in florida is kind of disgusting like I, I always love going back to New York and drinking the tap water. It tastes like almost sweet. But in any case, pumpkin beers, Jeff. Um, this is the time of year you can just call me a basic bitch because um, I'm not into pumpkin spice a lot of things, but I do enjoy pumpkin beers. And uh, I get ragged on a little bit for it, but I don't care because they're delicious. And um, I, I like drinking are. them. So it, it's pumpkin beer season, so maybe we'll do a different pumpkin beer every week. Um, starting out with Tampa Bay Brewing Company. You've been there, Jeff. You're a fan. Oh, yes. <clears throat> they make a nice pumpkin beer. They're they're local, of course, to Tampa Bay, which uh, explains the name. And they have a location about 10 minutes from my house, and I, I frequent that brewery very often. They have some great food, and they always have uh, a lot of good different rotating brews on draft. And uh, I, I was surprised to see the pumpkin beers come out so early. But, again, I think it's because of this hard water craze. The beer sales have plummeted this year so they're struggling some guy in a board meeting was like sweating and he was like hey what if we just put out the pumpkin beers the first week of august and somebody was like that's a great idea greg <laughs> let's get them on the show hard waters are burying us um in any case jeff i guess we could talk about some fights too um uh, valentina shevchenko Defends her flyweight championship against Liz Carmouche. Um, very uneventful fight. You know, credit to the champ. She did what she had to do to keep that strap around her waist. It, it was a clear cut victory. All three judges had it uh, 50 to 45. Liz Carmouche, um, you know, the reason she got this shot, we were talking about it last week because she has a win over Valentina nine years ago. And she says that Valentina hadn't evolved at all since that time, which 
obviously has been proven to be false, but um, a very, very uneventful fight. I wouldn't say to the point of like Tyron Woodley versus Wonder Boy, mm. but um, you know, we're kind of treading on that territory. And I, I don't really think it's, it's the fault of, of either fighter. I think it's just a, a weird style matchup because I'm, I'm actually a fan of Liz Carmouche. I love her wrestling. I love her takedowns. I love her clinch work. You know, she's, she's my kind of fighter for sure, but for her style to work, she has to be able to close the distance. And if you close the distance with Valentina Shevchenko, you risk getting starched, knocked out cold as we saw in her last title defense. <clears throat> and, um, you know, she, she couldn't pull the trigger. She couldn't close that distance. And then, you know, Valentina didn't want to close the distance on her end because she didn't want to risk getting tied up by Liz Carmouche, who's a great grappler, black belt on the ground. Um, and then the fight went to the ground a couple of times. Valentina scored a couple of takedowns. Uh, Liz Carmouche like pulled rubber guard and was like digging her heel into Valentina's thighs and, and, and tying her arms up, but, you know, not really doing anything to try and sweep or, or try and get back up, just kind of stalling on the ground there. So, I could see why a lot of people were disappointed in this fight, but at the end of the day, it, it's a five round dominant performance by the champ. Give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude. I think that Valentina Shevchenko just went in there with the right game plan. I think that, uh, like you said, she probably didn't want to be the one to, um, get into close one because uh, like you said, Liz Carmouche is wrestling and grappling and two, you know, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, her best fighting is done from distance. Um, you know, her head kicks her, you know, she's got a really nice jab. So, um, despite being a Muay Thai player, um, I feel like some of her best work is from distance and, um, I, I felt like Valentina Shevchenko just went in there and was very cerebral, was very strategic and, you know, fights like that, they're not going to make for the most exciting fights. Um, Tyron Woodley beat, uh, Steven Thompson that second time, you know, being very, very careful fighting the right way. And, you know, it was boring. His fight against Damian Maia was boring, but he fought in a way that would win him those fights, which is what Valentina did. And I don't think that there were too many spots that one could say were boring. Um, and the only time it was really boring, at least to me was when um, they were tied up in Liz Carmouche's guard, you know, Valentina was, was happy to just keep her base down because she knew that Liz Carmouche wasn't doing anything to advance positions. And I, I loved this one takedown that uh, Valentina Shevchenko scored because Liz Carmouche is a very physically strong fighter. And I actually thought she had a bit of a strength advantage heading into this fight. But um, Valentina Shevchenko clinched her up, had uh, two had her double underhooks and took her for a ride, dude. That was a beautiful spinning takedown. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up Woodley and um, and those fights too because if you think about the some of the champions who had the longest runs as champions, they had a lot of fights that were, you know, not exciting and wouldn't go down on the record books as exciting fights, much like this fight tonight. But uh, – in, in the long term, they're going to go down as some of the greatest champions in history. You know, George St. Pierre had some very fights, had some fights that were very unexciting. Anderson Silva had some fights where, 
you know, Talis Latis. I was there in person for that fight. People were leaving the arena. I was able to walk down close and 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 sit up uh, close to the cage. Um, and then uh, when he fought Damian Maya, it was the same thing. Uh, one of the greatest champions ever. He'll go down. That. Same as George St. Pierre. And um, it, you know that that's the way. You know, once you achieve that championship, you got to hold on to it and worry about legacy. You know, Demetrius Johnson. He had some very unexciting performances because he wanted to keep that winning streak going. Um, I think he had the longest winning streak of any champion or, or something like that. Most title defenses. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be Valentina Shevchenko's legacy. I don't think a lot of people were even watching this fight. It's not a card that's going to really bring in like the casual fans and, and make them stay home on a Saturday night to watch it. You know, they'll probably watch some highlights the next day or, or listen to podcasts like this, as opposed to actually watching it live. I don't think the numbers are going to be that great. And I don't think the UFC is concerned about that. They're concerned about getting into other markets like Uruguay, where they've never been before and uh, exposing some of the, the local talent in South America, which we saw a lot of speaking of the South American talent in the co-main event, which had to be the fight of the night, Vicente Luque and Mike Perry, <clears throat> you know, put on the kind of fight that you would expect from both of these guys at the end of it. You know, you, you could make the argument that Mike Perry won this fight. Vicente Luque coming away with the, the split decision. And it, once you see both of their faces at the end of the fight, uh, it, it's pretty clear that, that Luque uh, should have won the fight because Mike Perry's face was just smashed. And, and throughout the fight, it looked like both of them were getting bloodied up. But then you see when they both had their faces wiped off and Vicente Luque's face is still there and Mike Perry's face uh looks like a pizza that the cheese fell off of um <laughs> and, that's a very accurate description and you but not like a good pizza like a cafeteria pizza <laughs> like the kind that comes in the plastic bag <laughs> anyway uh mike perry's a fucking warrior man he he wound up uh taking luke down or luke kind of fell at the end of that third round and um luke put that guillotine on him and just squeezed all this blood out of mike perry's face and um all that pressure probably uh, really increased the swelling in his face because he had the broken nose. His septum was down, buried at the bottom of his throat somewhere. And when he had when he had Luke squeezing on his neck like that, um, and, and all the blood rushing and it's got nowhere to go. It's only got like one exit. It causes a lot of swelling, a lot of inflammation, and that's why uh, his face looked really grotesque at the end of this fight. But give me your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, this was a really, really fun fight to watch. Bill, it's, it doesn't have my pick for fight of the night, but a very close second. Um, you know, really exciting fight from both of these guys. And honestly, Bill, um, I got so into it that at the end, I couldn't tell you who won. I knew somebody got two rounds. I just didn't know who mm -hmm. um, because I was just so excited. And man, Mike Perry is nothing if not a warrior, dude. You know, he hung in tough. His his nose is probably somewhere in between his his ear and his eye. Yeah. Because um, dude, it, it was just his his nose was just smeared all over his face, dude. Um, you know, to to quote you, Bill, because you sent me this in a text. I think he's joining the uh Andre Arlovsky nose of the month club. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I started cracking up when you sent me that. Um, 
<laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Put, I put that one out on Twitter too. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, it was just such a fun fight. You know, it was definitely one round, one way. The next round was the, the other way. Mm-hmm. And then the third round, um, you know, it was just so hard. Like, I would hate to have been a judge for this fight because I honestly, I did not know who won. I just, you know, it was like a pendulum just swinging back and forth the momentum of the momentum of this fight. And, you know, I don't think Mike Perry's stock goes down. Uh, I think Vicente Luque's stock definitely goes up. I think he made a very big statement. You know, Mike Perry is a tough guy to, to really beat up like that. You know, you don't see Mm him, uh, get into you know he's always in wars but you don't you don't see him come out looking like that man yeah yeah for sure i mean the last time we saw him really bloodied up like that was probably the santiago ponzanibio fight a couple of years ago um i can see why perry uh why some people thought perry won this fight because every time it, perry exploded on luke the crowd kind of went nuts a little bit but you have to realize that for a majority of the exchanges luke was landing more you know, he was splitting the punches and, and when they would both throw a punch simultaneously, Luke was landing because of that reach advantage. He had Mike Perry backed up against the cage for a lot of the fight. Um, and then, you know, Mike Perry was exploding in small bursts. Um, I, I wouldn't think it would be a robbery if the decision went to Perry, but I think especially after seeing, uh, you know, Perry's face right at the end, the judges were like, Whoa, fuck, there's no way that guy won. Uh, even if they were thinking about giving him that third round, uh, <laughs> there's no way we could give it to pizza face, but <laughs> uh, awesome fight from both guys. Like you said, nobody loses stock in this one. Uh, and Luke, a, a guy who showed a lot of composure in there, you know, he's a guy who, who's shown susceptibility of falling into brawl, type of fights you know he did that in his fight with brian barbarina wound up getting a last minute knockout but you know not really the way you want to build a career and rise to the top you want to be known for for getting into these brawls and being able to take a lot of damage you want to be able to give a lot of damage without getting hurt but you know at the same time that's that's what entertains people you know people want to see fights in the style of a mike perry and a vicente luque over you know, Valentina Shevchenko and, and Liz Carmouche. And that's just the way it is. That's what, that's what sells. People want to see that. Um, okay. So, uh, Eduardo Garagori, the only, uh, Uruguayan, Uruguayan, Uruguayan. What's the, what's the term? (laughs) I think it's Uruguayan, Bill. Uruguayan. I was right the first time. You should have stopped me there. (laughs) (laughs) Just let me carry on like this, Jeff. All right. So (laughs) Eduardo Garrigori getting the unanimous decision over the Peruvian. I knew that one. (laughs) I kind of have to know that one. Um, Umberto Bandene. Um, and, and this was a good fight. Very, very competitive. I thought it was very close. Uh, Bandene landed a couple of uh, key takedowns in this fight. But at the end of the day, I think it was the pressure and the uh, volume of punches from the, what did we say? Uruguayan? Uruguayan. Uruguayan. All right. Yeah. Like Hawaiian. Uruguayan. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I got it. All right. Now, now I got it. It's in the, it's registered. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Come on. Stop letting me struggle here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I thought Bandenai really, um, you know, I kind of had it for him because of the takedowns. But looking back, the takedowns really came at the end of the rounds. Mm-hmm. And 
only in I believe the f- the second round he really didn't control um, his opponent here. What's his name? Uh, Garagori. He you know he was able to pop back up at the end of the second round, but in that first round I thought that Bandanai did a good job of holding him down, and like you said, man, the output was just too much for him to handle, and you know he didn't fight a bad fight. Um, Maybe I could have seen it going uh, his way, but I don't think he got robbed here. I think the decision went the right way. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I I think I I saw it the same way. Like the takedowns kind of came at the last second in every round, and then um, it, it was kind of like a last stitch effort. And then you know you had the hometown judges too for the for the Uruguayan. Yeah, Uruguayan. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> get away from uh, from geography and, and shit like that. Um, Vulcan Ozdemir Alir Latifi, the fight that we thought we uh, might never see, was actually a really exciting fight. And um, you know, it was back and forth in the beginning, but then it was just a striking clinic by Ozdemir. And uh, that that one knee that he landed on Latifi was kind of like a sneaky knee. They just kind of slipped in there, like right up the middle. And, and wobbled Latifi. I mean, Latifi's a guy with a really hard head. You know, he's a thick dude for this division. He's he's short and stocky, but you know, we know he can take a punch and a knee and a, a kick, and and whatever else is in between. Um, but you know, just uh, the patience and the and the precision of the strikes from Uzumir were just too much uh, for Latifi here. Even though Latifi had that one nice takedown where he dumped Ozdemir. Uh, in that first round, um, I think if he maybe stuck to that a little bit more instead of trying to to strike with him, uh, it, it would have gone better for him. Uh, you know, like I said last week, that Latifi, um, you know, Ozemir has a susceptibility to wrestling, and Latifi has a habit of striking with guys. Uh, who are better strikers than him, even though he has the wrestling to take down anybody in the division with the exception of maybe like Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Um, and maybe he could take those guys down too. I don't know, but uh, give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I thought Latifi went about this all wrong, dude. He really should have been going for those takedowns a little bit more, especially in that first round. It was beautiful. He went into a single uh, turned, Ozdemir a little bit and then picked them up and just dumped them. And um I I but I was just so impressed with Vulcan Ozdemir, dude. He was patient. Um, you know, he was making um Alir Latifi work for those takedowns. Uh especially after that first one, you know, he didn't want any of that. He didn't want to get dumped again. And he really did a good job of stifling Latifi's takedown game. And, you know, those punches were just too much for Alir Latifi to the point where Ozdemir, once he got his rhythm going, you could see Alir Latifi, you know, he's not somebody who's in bad shape, but he was getting tired just because of the pace that Ozdemir was putting on him. And then he started picking his shots, dude. It was a very scary performance. I think this is the best performance we've seen out of Ozdemir in the, in his time in the UFC, man. He was just very cerebral, very methodical, very calculated and he went in there with the right game plan. And I think if he can keep fighting like this, he's definitely going to be in the title picture again real soon. Yeah. I mean, that that's fair to say. I mean, it, it's hard to put him back in there because he got dominated by the champ, uh, you know, so easily, but you know, there's a different champ now. Uh, you know, Cormier was 
was stripped or had to surrender his title, you know, however you want to look at it. And now John Jones is the champ. I don't know if he stacks up any better against John Jones, who's a master at game planning. Um, but yeah, he looked good. The biggest surprise to me of the whole night was that Ozdemir is only 29 years old. I thought this guy was like fucking 45. Every time, <laughs> every time I see him fight, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe this guy can make one last run at it. And then <laughs> like the tail, when the tail of the team came up and it said he was 29, I'm like, he looks like somebody took that face app thing that make that ages you and mm. they put it on Rory McDonald. And if he did that, it would be Vulcan Ostomir's face. <laughs> he was just he was just born looking 45 years old, I think. But <laughs> yeah, man, good for him. Um it, it, if he really is 29, then that's great. You know, he's just coming up to his prize. <laughs> He's just coming into his prime right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Latifi is not looking as good for him, who, you know, he is 37, also looks 45. Um, but, yeah, Ozdemir, I don't know. I don't know what you do next with him. I don't think you could put him, like, right for a title shot now. But um, definitely a top, a top guy he's ready for. Maybe, like uh, – a rematch with Anthony Smith. I don't know. I don't know what you do next with Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, but in any case, that that happened, and it was his best performance. And uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, let's move on here. Rodolfo Vieira, UFC debut, getting the arm triangle choke over uh, Oscar Peixota, who's been around the UFC for a little bit, but uh, you know, it looked like he started to get a little tired in there, and then once. Vieira got his arms around uh, Pichota's neck. It was it was all downhill from there. He put a nasty squeeze uh, on his neck, and uh, I don't know. You have a, any thoughts on this one, Jeff? No, uh, there was another submission just like it, and you know it wasn't super technical, but you know you get these dudes with really big shoulders, and they can just put a squeeze on that arm triangle where they're gonna make you very uncomfortable you know, to the point where you do tap, even if they don't have the choke locked up correctly. Mm -hmm. um, well, we can move on, Bill, to what I thought was the fight of the night. Enrique Barzola versus Bobby Moffitt. Dude, this was an absolute war. Every round was either for one guy or the other. You know, it ended up in a split decision. Both of these guys were a bloody mess after, and it, you didn't see too much grappling, and I was okay with it. You know, they're just punching each other in the face, feeling each other out, you know, getting their timing. Dude, a really fun fight. I think this was up there with Mike Perry and uh, Vicente Luque's fight. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think if you don't have the, the nose factor <clears throat> at the end of Perry's fight to kind of punctuate it, then mm. this one definitely uh, would would be a, a strong contender for fight of the night. And who knows, maybe you know they'll, they'll get the performance bonuses anyway. And it, it was interesting the way this fight went down because Bobby Moffat, known to be a grappler coming off of Dana White's contender series, very strong ground game, loves to grapple, mixes in his takedowns well. And it was actually Barzola who's going for most of the takedowns. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting because he's – he, he was the smaller guy, and you see him trying to out-wrestle Moffitt, who's known to be the grappler. But I thought it was a great performance from Barzola. Um, this was another one at the end of it. I was like, I don't know. 
it could be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you never know with judges and it's a new athletic commission and in, in, in another country and, you know, who knows what could have happened. This, this was a really close one, but Barzola getting the, the split decision and, you know, I, I'm not mad about it. I think he probably got the better of the exchanges. He did have a couple of, of takedowns there. Um, so I, I thought he looked good. Um, another Peruvian guy. Um, somebody else who looked good, uh, Gilbert Burns stepping up on two weeks notice, man, stepping up on two weeks notice and stepping up a weight class to take on an undefeated, uh, Alexei Kunchenko. Uh, so credit to Gilbert Burns, man. I, I love guys like this who will just fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, and Gilbert Burns is, is that guy, you know, he's, he, he's not the type to say no to a challenge, you know, two weeks notice. All right. I'm in shape. You got to move up and wait. All right. Uh, I could do that. Uh, at least I don't have to cut weight. You got to fight a guy who's undefeated. Sure. Fine. Uh, you have to go to Uruguay. All right. Well, when's my flight? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, these are, these are the kind of fighters that, that I'm a huge fan of. I think Gilbert Burns, one of the most underrated guys in the UFC. It'll be interesting if he's, decides to stay at welterweight um uh because you know he's a little bit undersized for the division but um you, you know you see how what a great performance he could put on on two weeks notice uh, against a much bigger competitor an undefeated competitor uh in Konchenko who who didn't fight with as much pressure as he normally does um you know, maybe he was worried about if he pressured Burns too much, he would he would uh, be able to get the takedown. And, and Burns had some expertly timed takedowns in this fight. Uh, there was one time when when Concheco threw like a low kick, and Burns just put him on his back like instantly. Uh, it was it was one of the most beautifully timed takedowns I've seen in a long time. Um, did, did you catch this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Um, I you know I'm a fan of Gilbert. Burns as well, um, especially after his performance against um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's a judo black belt, uh, the Dominican dude. Uh, I'm sorry, Cuban dude. Um, it'll come back to me, but um, regardless, uh, yeah, dude, Gilbert Burns, so good at mixing it up, man. You know, he's got power in his hands. We've seen that, but um, you know, he's so technical with his takedowns and his timing is ridiculous, man. And, and that's one of my favorite things about him is the way he can, you know, throw a couple of punches, then change levels. And when you're trying to respond, you know, you end up on your back, just like you said, and we saw that in this fight. Um, personally, I'd like for him to stay at 155, but you know, I wouldn't be mad at him if he stayed at 170. He looked good there tonight. Yeah, man. And uh, his brother just made it to the UFC as well. He was on the Contender Series on Tuesday night. Herbert Burns, probably the only brothers named Gilbert and Herbert, uh, who who will never get bullied by anybody for being named Gilbert and Herbert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he looked good too, man. Uh, and, and he went up against, I think another black belt on a contender series and submitted him. And, uh, I think he's a 145 pounder, but he's like a, a longer and leaner looking, uh, burns Herbert and Gilbert. All right. Uh, then we had, uh, Cyril gain with the arm triangle choke over Rafael Pessoa, who looks like a cross between Fabrizio Verdum and Roy Nelson. Uh, this was the other 
arm triangle choke you were talking about, Jeff, where it was a little less technical. It was across the chin, but, uh, you know, big, strong guy is squeezing on your jaw like that. It feels like your jaw is just going to explode. It's super painful. Um, and, and Pessoa, you know, tapping there. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a risky takedown that Pessoa went for, uh, you, you know, when you go for these overhook type takedowns in MMA, uh, you get, it, there's so much momentum. It's easy to get reversed and stuff. Like it's, it's stuff that works in judo a lot because you have the gi to kind of hold on to and anchor yourself with, but <clears throat> without the gi present, you know, there's so much more space to roll and to, you know, reverse and, and things like that. So it, it's tough to, to throw people, um, you know, without a gi, unless, unless it's something that you're used to doing. And so game coming out on top, uh, of that exchange and they kind of flipped a couple of times in the air and uh, came out on top, got the choke. It wasn't, you know, technically correct, but you know, if it gets a tap, it gets a tap. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, and like you said, I, I don't know if the fence helped because uh, that takedown that uh, Pizzoa went for was right up against the fence. So um, Gan didn't fall on his back. He kind of fell on his butt and, and his back was against the cage. So, you know, he couldn't really be held down there and, and kind of just use that momentum to take uh, Pessoa's legs out from under him. So I don't know if that would have been different if they'd been, say, in the middle of the, of the octagon. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, he, he went for a good choke and, you know, those big shoulders definitely help no matter if you have it on the neck or the jaw. So he probably just had such a tight squeeze that, um, this dude, Pizal, who is a black belt in his own right. Um, so no slouch there. Yeah. It's too bad. He couldn't have his black belt on over his fight kit to keep his pants up because his butt crack was on display for all of Uruguay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, I just kind of want to breeze over the rest of the card, Jeff. I know you didn't catch a lot of the prelims, um, but uh, Marina Rodriguez getting the, the unanimous decision over Tisha Torres, who is now on a four-fight losing streak, believe it or not. You know, Tisha Torres, someone we were talking about, uh, contending for the title possibly uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but if you think about it too, the, the last three people she lost to four fight losing streak now, but uh, the f three fight losing streak before that was, uh, you know, the current champ, Jessica Andrade, the former champ, Ioana Jacek, and the current championship contender, Wiley Zhang. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, if you look at it resume wise, they're not all bad losses. And I, I believe she went the distance with all of them. But uh, Marina Rodriguez, you know, did what she had to do, pressured Tisha Torres and got the unanimous decision. Uh, Rogerio Buntorin uh, with a TKO victory over Raulun Paiva. This is one of the worst cuts I've ever seen. Uh, th this picture was going out around the internet. So Paiva basically got cut like right across his eyebrow and it just opened up. Um, it, like split his eyebrow in half and, and it looked like um i don't know if you know the movie little shop of horrors jeff but it, it's about this venus flytrap that that basically becomes like a monster and starts eating people and the inside of its mouth like when it opens its mouth um it's like all red inside and that's what uh paiva's face looked like uh his <laughs> he just had a crevice 
split open. It looked like it looked like a giant mouth on his forehead. It was a really nasty cut. Um, very appropriate stoppage by the doctors in Uruguay there. Uh, thoughts on anything so far, Jeff? You want me to keep uh, cruising through here? Yeah, dude. I actually saw pictures of that uh, cut up on Twitter, and it was looking nasty, dude. Like, I it looked like his this dude's eyelid was going to come off if the fight had continued. Um, so good stoppage by the ref and and the doctors. You know, good eye on that. And Bill, I believe Little Shop of Horrors. Don't quote me on this, but I'm not sure if it was a play before it was a movie. Like, wasn't uh, it a musical first or something? Yeah, I do believe it. If it wasn't, if it wasn't before, then it was after. Like, it mm -hmm. was a, it was either a a film adaptation of a musical or, or vice versa. But either mm -hmm. way, it had a lot of music in it. Uh, Rick Moranis, um, and who's the other guy? What's that guy's name? Who, Bill Murray? Was that who you're no, thinking of? No, not Bill Murray. Um, the other guy with the gray hair. Fuck, um, one of my favorite actors, too. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Mm. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, folks. A lot, of, a lot of you probably uh, yelling at your car stereos right now. Um, <laughs> Chris Gutierrez, very close split decision over uh, Geraldo de Freitas. That was, that was a really close fight. Could have gone either way. Uh, Alex de Silva, Cohit. Coelho uh, got a unanimous decision over Rodrigo Vargas. That was a dominant performance. Coelho basically had Vargas's back for the entire first round uh, and just put on a grappling clinic. You know, it couldn't really finish him because they, they stayed relatively dry for a lot of the fight, uh, which, which makes it easier to, to fight off uh, rear naked chokes and stuff like that. And then uh, Veronica Macedo uh, getting a, a one-minute armbar victory over Pollyanna Viana uh, in the first fight of the night. Um, so, yeah, you know, there there were a lot of there were a lot of lulls in this card, but uh, overall, looking back on it, you know, we had a lot of bright spots here. You know, definitely Ozdemir's performance, uh, Mike Perry's pizza face, um, the the domination by the champ Valentina Shevchenko, the the Barzola, uh, Barzola and Moffat fight, uh, Gilbert Vern's uh, stepping up and wait. I always like to take away the positives. You know, when when there's a lot of people complaining about a card and how boring a lot of the fights were. You know, I, I like to uh, immediately try and remember all the all the positive things that came out of it. And I think we have a lot of things, uh, a lot of positives to take away from Uruguay. Any. Uh, Closing, encompassing thoughts on this card, Jeff? Yeah, honestly, Bill, I wasn't super excited heading into the card. But once I tuned in, man, I, I, I thought the fights were really, really exciting. Um, <clears throat> you know, I thought that the main event, I, I thought that, like I said, Valentina fought the fight she needed to to win. And, you know, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. GSP had his share of boring fights. Anderson Silva did the most, or if not all of Demetrius Johnson's fights were pretty boring. Um, maybe except the first title fight against um, John Dodson and the one where he got that arm bar, the the like suplex into the arm bar. That the one was Ray Borg cool. fight. Yeah. Yeah. All his other title defenses were boring though. But you know, <laughs> Um, th those are the guys who are going to live on in our memories as, as some of the greatest champions of all time. So you got to do what you got to do. So everybody who thought that fight was boring, 
Shut up and quit asking so many questions. How many UFC belts have you defended? Zero. That's true. That's true. I guess I didn't, I didn't hear anybody who has defended a UFC belt complain about the fight being boring. So there's that. Um, anyway, speaking of UFC belts being defended, we got a, a pay-per-view coming up on August 17th. So that is next Saturday. UFC 241. Before we talk about that, though, Jeff, I want to give a quick shout-out to Aaron Harp, who's a part of our Gracie Tampa network here. Uh, she trains at Gracie Tampa South. She fought for Invicta on Friday night, made her Invicta debut. She won a split decision. Uh, it was kind of a bullshit split decision because it should have been unanimous. She very clearly won the first and third rounds in dominant fashion. Um, now 2-0 as a professional. Uh, very close to getting her black belt under Matt Arroyo. So, obviously, a lot of jiu-jitsu credentials there. Very bright future as an MMA fighter. She had Billy Quarantello in her corner, you know, friend of the show. Uh, also trains in the Gracie Tampa Network, obviously. So, um, big congratulations to Erin Harp on winning her Invicta debut so hopefully she'll stick with the promotion not never fight in missouri again where the athletic commission is very wonky there was a lot of crazy decisions in invicta last night where the, there was one where they even announced the wrong girl as the winner and then the girl they interviewed her and gave her like she gave like a very heartfelt speech about about winning a fight and then they were they were like um actually you didn't win sorry uh <laughs> so no so whatever (laughs) whatever the opposite of a shout out is that's what i give to the missouri state athletic commission because they're fucking awful uh it seems like they don't know their ass from their elbow but a big shout out to aaron harp there um any any thoughts on the invicta stuff jeff yeah congrats to your girl man that's awesome um but yeah invicta let's let's get your shit together bro yeah, let, let's never go back to Missouri. How about that? <laughs> so, um, you know, there's some athletic commissions, man, that are just scary. If you're a young fighter, you know, looking to build your record, um, you, you can't you can't play it safe. Sometimes you can't trust these athletic commissions, and that's a that's a sad thing. And some of these athletic commissions, you don't even want to go because there's so much red tape and like they want so much extra paperwork with your medicals or like they won't let you fight for some stupid bullshit. Like, like I always think of the New York example where that girl couldn't fight cause she had chat lips. Um, so there's like, th- there's so much bullshit out there like this. If you're a young fighter that can really affect your career and uh, you know, a bad decision, uh, you know, if you get a loss early on in Invicta and it's, you know, one of your first five fights, um, you know, that hurts, that, that stings, that sticks with you. But luckily, uh, Aaron wasn't a victim of that. You know, she, she still walked away with the victory, uh, even though it should have been a unanimous decision. All right, so let's move on. Anaheim, California, August 17th, UFC 241, a rematch between heavyweights. The champ, DC, Daniel Cormier, taking on the former champ, who's defended the heavyweight title more than anybody, a whopping three times, Stipe Miocic. Uh, give me your thoughts on this rematch here, Jeff. Dude, I'm so excited, man. Um, I thought the first fight was really good from both sides. Um, 
and I, and I'm excited. You know, DC's undefeated at heavyweight. Stipe has one of the most successful reigns as a heavyweight champion ever in the UFC. You know, we've never seen someone um, defend the belt three times in a row at heavyweight. So it, it's going to be really, really interesting. You know, they both match up well. Um, they, they're both uh, very skilled strikers, very good wrestlers. Uh, but I think DC has a little bit more of an advantage, you know, being former captain of the Olympic team. And the biggest factor here is they've already fought each other once, you know. They kind of know what to expect. Um, and in Stipe's case, he knows what what he's needed to work on. He's had some time away from the cage to, to kind of go back to the drawing board, as it were. So I'm really excited to see what Stipe is going to do differently this time around. Yeah, for sure. And Cormier using some expert-level clinch manipulation in their first fight, uh, you know, pulling Stipe in one direction, you know, right into a big punch and, and getting that that KO victory definitely carries a lot of power at heavyweight still, you know, really small for that heavyweight division, but that's never mattered as his whole career. You know, he's, he's beaten guys. He never should have beaten, you know, winning the strike force grand prix, stepping up last minute as a, as a replacement and then winning the whole heavyweight grand prix, beating guys like Josh Barnett and then picking him up and dumping him on his ass. Um, he, you know, he, he's done things that he, shouldn't do his whole career and he's built his legacy on that um and stipe is a guy who you know people people have slept on him his whole career too you know nobody gave him a chance against Ngannou, and and he dominated him like people were scared for him taking that fight he went in there got in his face for 25 minutes and and kept putting that monster on his back and kept standing up with him at the beginning of every round and, and did what he had to do to get the victory. You know, he really fights like a true champion and he's been holding out um, <clears throat> for this rematch because he felt like he deserved it as the winningest or most defenses as a heavyweight champion ever. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, Cormier has been a little bit more active in the meantime, while, while Stipe has been kind of sitting on the bench, you know, he had a, he had a daughter in the in the meantime, which definitely affects like training and everything like that. He's still still a firefighter, but you know that that's never been a factor in the past. So, and and we're gonna see a Stipe who's like looking for revenge. You know, we're gonna see a man on fire here. No pun intended. Um, so yeah, I think this is an awesome main event and I think we have a really awesome co-main event that has a lot of history leading up to it. And that's Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis and Jeff, I can't believe that Nate Diaz is actually going to fight until Bruce Buffer announces his name. I just can't, <laughs> it's been so long. I just can't believe he's getting back in there. I'm so excited to see him fight again. I've always been a big fan of Nate Diaz. I've always been a big fan of Anthony Pettis too. And uh, a lot of, a lot of history here because Anthony Pettis has beaten Nate Diaz's teammate, Gilbert Melendez. And Nate Diaz tried to call Anthony Pettis out when Pettis was huge and on Wheaties boxes and, and stuff like that. And, and Nate Diaz always felt like that was kind of undeserved because, you know, a lot of the hype came came off that one kick from WEC in the championship fight. I think it was the last fight ever in WEC when he he had that the Showtime kick where he jumped off the cage, kicked Benson Henderson. 
So because a lot of that, you know, he got on the Wheaties box and he got all this recognition and ESPN and all, all this stuff. And Nate Diaz is like, well, who is this guy? He hasn't beaten anybody in the UFC. Like, why is he getting all this stuff? I've been here forever. I'm the ultimate fighter champion. And, you know, he's bitter because Pettis beat his teammate. Um, so he was trying to get fights with him then. And uh, it just never came together. He said Pettis was ducking him. So, uh, he, you know, Pettis is kind of on an upswing now since moving up. Uh, you know, he's coming off that knockout win over Wonderboy, uh, which was a huge comeback and a huge upset win for him. Um, I, I think it's the perfect time to make this fight. I think it's an awesome fight. And uh, I, I just hyped myself up even more <laughs> by talking myself through it. Give me your thoughts on this co-main event next week, Jeff. Bill, that's all well and good. This fight sounds super exciting, but like you said, they got to close that cage door first, and Nate Diaz needs to be in there. You know, it's the last couple fights, he's been ducking interviews, not showing up, and then last minute, you know, he, he doesn't even want to fight. So, I don't know, dude. I don't trust it. And I don't trust this other fight that's on the card. Bill, for the fourth time, we're going to try this. <laughs> Romero versus Paulo Costa. Uh -huh. I'm excited for this fight, but I'm I'm not going to I can't put I get I can't get my hopes up. Yeah. They close that cage door and both men are inside. This is the fourth time we're trying to make this fight, Bill. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. So, this is like the it's like the Tony and Khabib of the the middleweight division. Yep. Uh, yeah, we've we've wanted this we've wanted this fight for so long. I love the meme that's out there that's like uh Yoel Romero is going to fight Paulo Costa, and then it says USADA with the colon, and then it's a picture of uh, Sandra Bullock from that movie where she's blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny one. I would pull it up and share it with you guys on YouTube, but I haven't figured out how to use this StreamYard uh, platform yet. I'll, I'll work on the uh, the screen sharing and all that, all that stuff. I'm a radio guy, guys. I'm not into all this technology and shit, but if somebody wants to give me a tutorial i'm open to it but yeah that's an awesome fight we got sadiq Yusuf, gabriel benitez that's a banger Derek brunson and ian heinish that's a fun fucking fight john mcdessie and Devontae smith that's a banger and a half you got two explosive strikers there Corey sanhagen and Rafaela sunsau on the prelims uh manny bermudez casey kennedy dracar close and christos giagos what else we got here? That's about it. <laughs> but man, um, the, those those prelims and uh, that main card is fucking fire here, Jeff in Anaheim, California. Um, it, what caught your attention the most out of all the things I just rattled off there? Yeah, dude, I'm really liking that Derek Brunson versus Ian Hainish fight, man. I think that's definitely going to be a war. Both of these guys mix it up really well. Very good at multiple areas of MMA. So I think that one's definitely going to be a sleeper on this one. I think that has fight of the night potential. Yeah, Derek Brunson is a guy, um, you know, a lot of his performances, you can't really, you can't really measure his skill set with them because you know, when he fights emotionally or he, he comes running across the cage, uh, that's when he gets caught. But when he fights patiently and technical and uses wrestling, uh, Derek Brunson is a dangerous dude. But, um, you know, Ian Heinish is a guy we've seen is able to mix things up really well. He's on a hot streak lately. Um, 
you know, we've got a bunch of guys come from who uh, came from the contender series on this card. So we're really seeing a lot of, a lot of talent coming from there. Um, Ian Heinish being one of them, Devonte Smith, uh, Sadiq Yusuf, you know, we got a bunch of guys. So Heinish coming off that great performance against Antonio Carlos Jr. where he just wore him out and made his jujitsu basically worthless. Um, and uh, before that he had the, the win over Mutante. So, and the other thing I keep forgetting too is that Paulo Costa is undefeated. He's twelve and zero. He's getting in there. Uh, he's getting in there against uh, Yoel Romero. Finally, maybe. Uh, so I don't know, Jeff. I, I'm really excited for this card. And we got a we got a first time uh, first time viewer here, Tommaso Mark. Welcome. Thanks for joining us here on YouTube. We usually don't record on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the competition we got to deal with snl is that still saying do people watch that i don't know man i think they uh i think they take the summers off but uh mark mark asked who goes down first yoel or paolo you want to take that one Jeff? oh damn all righty first question it's a hard one um <laughs> Damn, you know, I can't remember the last time Yo Romero was on his back, like in a grappling position on his back. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a knockdown. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like with somebody like in his guard, you know, damn, who goes down first? You know, Yo Romero's just so explosive, dude. And I love Paulo Costa. I think he's an awesome fighter, but I think Paulo Costa's butt hits the ground first. Yeah. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but just because your Romero is such a he's so explosive and hard to read sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll go the other way with it only because Yoel Romero is a notoriously slow starter. He explodes mm. in that third round every time, you know, with Chris Weidman. Um, there's a couple other examples, and that's how he was as a as a wrestler on the Cuban Olympic team as well. You know, he would let guys score points on him early on, and then he would explode uh, for tech falls like later uh, in in the later periods as a wrestler. And he carried that over to MMA as well. So I feel like Costa is the guy who's going to get off to a quicker start. Um, but as the fight goes on, I think this is going to be a really competitive fight. So I don't know. You know, if I had to pick one, like flip a coin, I would say maybe Romero will go down first, but then come back later in the fight. Hope that answers your question. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of fun fights on this card, Jeff. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it. It's got it's gotten to the point where, you know, there's so much MMA action going on. You know, there's cards like almost every day. Now we're, you know, we're deep into the Contender Series. We had Invicta on Friday. We had UFC. There was bare knuckle boxing going on tonight. I didn't even watch that. Um, you know, it's such a great time for combat sports. It's like you almost forget like cards like this are coming up. It used to be, oh, yeah. it used to be like a pay per view. You know, dating myself here, but remember the days when there would be a pay per view like every three months. I don't you, remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're a lot younger than me, Jeff. Uh, so yeah, it used to be like. Oh man, I can't wait for you know Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell five mm. months from now. And in the meantime, there's nothing else. And then like the Ultimate Fighter came out, and you actually had stuff to watch. And now it's like there's so much. 
it's like, you know, you could probably watch something every day of the week if you count like all local promotions and everything like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, this was cool. I, I like this new. Uh, I like this new platform here. We're using Streamyard, uh, which broadcasts uh, onto YouTube. So I, I like the. Uh, I like the fact that people can interact. We never had the comments on before, so this is the first time we actually got comments uh, while we were recording live. So that's a pretty cool thing. So maybe that's something we can keep up in the future. Uh, so turn on your notifications if you follow us on YouTube, so that you know that we're going live. We usually record like Sunday morning, Sunday afternoons. Um, like I said, most people are all about the audio version of the podcast. But if you are listening on audio, please subscribe. Please share the episodes. Please leave us a review. If you leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and we see it, um, also like tag us on social media when you leave a review. If you leave a funny review, as long as you get five stars, we'll read it on the air. And then uh, so... Um, yeah, there's that. And then Mark had another question. We might as well might as well give Mark a Mark. Yeah. For for listening to us live. We're happy to answer your questions. What do you got? He wanted to know uh if either of us scored the fight tonight for Perry um over Luke. And uh we, we talked about this earlier, Mark, but um I know you joined a little later in the show at the end of the fight. We were both just so stunned. That was such a great fight that we, we thought it could have gone either way, but after, you know, going back and thinking about it, we could see why people did score it for Perry, but he was backing up a lot. And in a lot of the striking exchanges, he was coming up short because of the reach disadvantage. And then just the way he looked at the end of the fight was, was really what did it and, uh, and put Luke over the top there. And plus getting all the blood squeezed out of his face, uh, it didn't, that didn't look so well in the judge's eyes, I think. Um, so that's the way we saw that one. Uh, did I cover all that Jeff? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm opening up YouTube on my phone so I can see the question. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I, so I have it in front of me cause I can see the platform here. I guess I'll just have to feed you the questions from now on. Jeff, we got to work this out. We got so many to work out of the show but uh, anyway thanks for your questions mark we appreciate it we appreciate everybody tuning in we appreciate everybody uh who's been leaving us reviews so again if you leave us a funny review and still give five stars we'll read it on the air I'll give you a little shout out here um maybe we'll get the youtube thing going here jeff uh you know we've been audio exclusive for so long uh it's time we started interacting with the people when we record live maybe we should start doing saturday nights more maybe that's the maybe that's the hot time slot um, in any case, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Jeff now has an Instagram, so give him, give him a follow on there. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. YouTube, we're on the YouTube. And uh, you can visit our website, MMA on the Rocks.com. Uh, we'll put up some weekly articles there. Uh, biographies of fighters who have been on the show that we've interviewed uh, a lot of fun stuff on there a lot of uh, short clips of interviews we've done in the past and show highlights and everything like that youtube page has a video of mike perry dancing his last fight that's a fun one and uh that's it man jeff you got anything else you want to get off your chest uh yeah tomaso mark thanks for tuning in and you have a great night as well brother awesome so i guess you can see the questions now
Yeah, have my phone. <laughs> we, we need a better system for this. Yeah, thank you, Mark, for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>